My name is Aslam Levy. Uh, I'm the coordinator for the volunteer program in Table Mountain National Park. Uh, the program has been running since 2011-12, which um, is the brainchild of myself, where I basically created this program in a sense of safety and educating people. And uh, with 2011-12, I basically started the program where I had, I, I was actually, um, I had to go for operation in 2011 where uh, I laid, went for this up on my back and while laying in bed um, after the operation monitoring the radio because that was my only companion which I basically had um, in bed and knowing most of the ranger's capabilities on the routes on Table Mountain and uh, hiking and things like that so uh, there was a rescue happening at uh, Nandadno Ravine and monitoring the radio I could hear on radio communication that uh, the medic um, where I work with because I do quite a lot, lot of rescues within the in Table Mountain uh, with Metro and with the Rangers so on listening to the conversation on the radio I could hear the uncertainty of um, uh, where they were going yeah. and I stepped in on the radio uh, by in bed yes. and uh, <clears throat> asked the guys, um, one guy, what is he seeing in front of him? And uh, he explained to me and I said, okay, now if he looks to his left hand side, right hand side, you will see a gabion. And at the gabion, there's some staples up in the rock. They have to take that route. They have to climb up there. And then uh, you will have to basically walk up once you get to the top you've got about a 10 minute walk until you get to a spike um, uh, which actually points to the direction of our bay and from what I gathered on the conversation which they had and the information that came through I figured out that this person could only go missing um, uh, on that route around there which is which isn't a route and these guys was walking about 15-20 minutes and I called them again I said you're basically at the spike now and uh, they said how do I how do I I know so I said I'm watching it so they said now where am I yeah. so I said I'm in my bed yeah. and uh, I said now okay now look at the spike is pointing towards Lindadno um, hard base side there go to the left hand side of that there's a thin footpath if you look closely there's a thin footpath follow that footpath and that person would be somewhere in that area. And as they were walking, I said, okay, you're on the flat surface. Yeah. And this guy's like, how do you know we were, we're here? Yeah. So with the experience I've got in hiking in the mountain, I know the people's distance they would walk in a certain time. And with that, I thought to my, was laying in bed, I thought to myself, you know, if I would um, knock over and um, kick the bucket, Yes. then uh, my little bit of knowledge I've got of the mountain yes. would actually be a waste. Yes. My life would be a waste. Yes. So I started in um, uh, 2012 with um, uh, Platiklip. Platiklip is one of our entire mountain, one of the busiest hiking routes. It's like a supermarket mall on a, during December mm. because 8 o'clock, Half past seven, you'll have people going up there already. It's a two and a half hour, two hour for some people, hike up uh, Table Mountain. But it took 
lots of risks. People getting dehydrated, muscle cramp, muscle fatigue. I'm a, and I concentrated with five guys just on platyglip yeah. from December until about January, February. For these guys are, are volunteers. Those are volunteers. The, our clients that are coming. Yeah. So uh, I trained them in the sense of educating people where you're going to. Okay. I'm a drink your water sparely. Um, and when we saw someone uh, struggling, we always had a Coke. I said, uh, Coke bar one. I'm a, because most of the people's dehydration, the sugar levels drop. Yeah. And uh, that would uh, give them a spike and we would persevere them walking up and get them to the top. And with that, in those couple of months, we actually brought down the rescues to way half um, of, way below halfway mark of what we usually have. And then uh, Hilton Blumeris, which I basically at the time was working with in hand in hand, um, working with the Rangers as well, um, said, listen, um, I should carry on with the program. I should introduce more people. Yes. And with that, I recruited more people. And with recruiting people, I had people coming coming in now into the program, um, uh, giving their time um, as uh, speakers, like uh, firefighting, yes. um, uh, first day from Metro, uh, SkyMate, how to be orientated around the chopper when we when the rescue happens, um, archaeology, uh, and the, it goes on and on. And each year, uh, there is always someone that wants to come onto the program, yeah. uh, a speaker. So they would have a day or half a day, come and give a talk about uh, the topic, and uh, that is how the program has been growing and educating and empowering um, young youth, adults, and when the, when they start off um, in the program and when they leave, it's a total different person because they are empowered with a whole lot of knowledge um, and with that, they feel more confident in themselves. And 80% of our people, whether they're a lawyer, whether they're an architect or a sweeper, in certain points, they have a lack of confidence in themselves. And you would think, I'll have um, an architect, uh, a sweeper from the airport or, you, you know, different dynamics of people on the program. But within the program, you actually, without them realizing, that person which is a sweeper and that one which is um, an architect or an engineer is actually educating each other um, with some sort of... Um, skills they've got, um, how they address things and even like in the sense of um, a sacrificing. A person that comes out of Galicia um, and a person in Bishop's Court, what are they going to learn from each other? The mere fact is you might have everything but you don't appreciate and you can't get someone that comes out of Bannenberg, Galicia and those places. Um, people that can sacrifice and be subservient with working with a little. And this is how the one teaches the other one, yes. tolerance and things like that. The program um, usually be, was a year, um, six months, okay. but then with all the lectures that comes in, wants to be part of the program, I straight it to a year. Okay. Um, uh, and within the year, they actually do a lot of field work as well. Um, going out in the field, 
um, educating in this alien clearance. Um, we work hand in hand with um, uh, people in conservation, uh, with the marine, if it's uh, marine cleanup day or international coastal cleanup. Um, I try to create bridges, build bridges uh, with other parties without, outside the park, like Two Oceans Aquarium, um, Parks and Forest, um, what's it, Cape Nature. Um, so when in the sense of in Cape Nature they've got a different species of plants of alien clearance I would go and take the volunteers of Sandpox um, Tail Mountain into their area and bring their volunteers into our area and uh, they're educating and also opening their eyes to show that there is other people from other parks which is basically also doing this type of voluntary work and things like that well, um, the volunteers don't get paid at all. They don't get paid a dime. And it's one of my major challenges in the sense of um, the uniforms that they get, um, that they buy. They actually purchase it themselves. Um, and they don't pay for the premium, but they have to pay for the uniforms, uh, the park providers with transport and things like that. But um, when it gets perhaps to a full moon patrol, um, I bought myself a, a bus geo to the program, so it's a T5 combi, and I basically do when it's full night patrol on full moon, when it's people which doesn't have transport, then I would say fine, whoever's available, um, and then I would take them out, then with, I would your own, with, your with my own vehicle. <coughs> and. Um, that is a challenge because sometimes it's like the one guy is in Ocean View, the other guy is Guy Leecher, mm -hmm. and it's like right across. And the time we finish at full moons at times is like past 11 sometimes in summer, and then I still have to get home. And then you have to so I still have to drop them. When we go out, um, like for instance, for some of them which is unemployed, uh, some of them is um, st uh, students at CPUT or UWC which does um, nature conservation studies and things like that. And that is part of the modules um, uh, which they do in the studies. So the, the program I do is basically a hands-on where they don't get that in college. So when they're in the park, but they are students and some is unemployed and for them to financially get to the park, it becomes a hindrance because they come from all fields and for, to start, I start off like 8.30 and with public transports and things like that. That's one of the major things. Um, when it's like late in the evening, that's also an issue. Uh, when they go, have to do, some of them can't afford the uniform because the uniform I basically get purchased from the Price Sports because that is the cheapest place um, uh, and of quality because I cannot buy something which is not um, uh, suitable for walking in the mountain. Mm. Uh, you walk with a, a towel and we, you actually need a fleece. Mm. So I, with my experience in hiking, I always see that they're comfortable. So the, the clothing and gear that they get, I really try and source for a place where it's quite suitable, um, a reasonable price and things like that. And for this this far, I've basically just um, uh, using Mr. Price Sports um, uh, because I get the technical pants, um, uh, the fleas from there. 
uh, where I empower the community as well. This one lady, she got her own CMT. So that is also, but I basically tell her, this is the fabric. And she would manufacture that. Well, most of the time, all, all basically all the time, um, the ad which I basically put out is on Facebook and uh, on Tail Mountain Volunteer website, um, Facebook page. And it's basically a word of mouth. For the time I've been running, I had applicants um, all the way from Gauteng, um, uh, Northern Cape. And they've, some people follow the Facebook page and uh, someone in the Cape um, of Table Mountain speak to someone about the program and they're all eager and wanting to be part, wanting to be in the program. Last year I had a girl from Gauteng, she wanted to relocate to Cape Town to be on the program because what you do and things, um, it, it's how it is so incredible to see. Uh, people can uh, access the, um, the forms on the website, on Table Mountain Volunteers and the Facebook page, uh, or otherwise they would call um, to Kai or Klufnik office um, for these forms. The applicants goes out basically um, from about February until March, February, January, February, March. And uh, April, April, we do the short listing. And then they come in for an interview. And uh, they do a short physical test. Uh, I do a profile with the interview. How the interviews work also is this year's volunteers, um, which is really dedicated, and some of them which is still running, still in the park. I would put them in the panel as well as the interviewers. So that alone also is the empowerment, what the program does, for that person to sit behind the desk and doing the interview and then asking the questions. They went through the program, so they've got a size and uh, what the person is and they know what we're looking for. And when they actually finish with the interview, and if they should go for an interview at another company or whatever, um, and they sit on the other side again, they won't feel so intimidated because they were empowered of it. They've got the experience. My, my telephone number is all over. Um, they called to Kai's office, um, Klufnik or Mount Pleasant, the whole Table Mountain Range uh, got my tel telephone number. It's 082-973-5202. Or otherwise, uh, you can just look on Table Mountain Volunteer Facebook page.